today on Laura Lynn and Friends. So this was intentional. They were pushing out a harmful product and they're still pushing them out. So you cannot believe anything coming out of the government. And in terms of your health, my advice is do the opposite of what they recommend. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and I love to open uh, our show by reading from my dad's Bible. So I opened it up today and uh, he has uh, this scripture underlined. Um, <laughs> two of them. <laughs> okay. One's really cool and the other one's like even cooler. Okay. So it's Psalms 104, verse 34. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Okay. The next verse. <laughs> 35. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless you, the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. <laughs> okay, has there ever been a time in history where we know that we would like the wicked to be consumed? I'm like all in. I'm all in for that. I mean, what is going on with all the crazies? Uh, they're trying to scare us uh, with everything. Uh, we're, we're facing potential mandates. Um, you know, I'm going to be flying out to Ottawa. I hope that there's no, um, you know, unexpected uh, mandates being installed before uh, Monday when I go. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it, it's just a crazy world. So uh, let's look at, uh, you know, the whole housing issue is just erupting in Canada. Um, there's been some articles like, okay, you want affordable housing. What is affordable exactly? Like, is it, so the average home price is something like $670,000 in Canada, the average. Um, is, to, to bring it down to 500000 is that more affordable? Um, how are we going to have affordable housing? I mean, Jagmeet Singh, you know, talks all about this. Are we going to build all of these, like, you know, maybe some homes like bang, 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 just get them all up and, you know, no frills. And, uh, you know, you can house all the immigrants that are coming in steadily into Canada. Um, do you know that the Toronto area in Ontario, they have 3 million more than what was uh, the date three in the last three years, basically. It's been 3 million more immigrants that have come in and everyone is just feeling that pressure of all of these people coming in that actually forces housing up because many of them are given funds from the government to get started in their life here, which Canadians don't get. You don't get free money from the government. No, they take your money. But if you come from somewhere else, then, you know, you got all these blessings. So if you, if you make affordable housing, does that, does that push the other housing prices uh, down? Um, does it cause people to lose uh, property values and, and, you know, affect family fortunes or, you know, what someone has worked for a great many years paying into? Let's say they bought their home a few years ago at $600,000 and now we lower the price and the house is worth $400,000, but they have a $300,000 mortgage on it. 
they've lost $200,000. I mean, this is a mess, right? Um, or have they lost more? They've lost three, 300,000. Okay, no, no, if they had three, yeah. Okay, you know how I am. Uh, so all of this is kind of coming to, you know, uh, ahead. And uh, our great prime minister had a word on that. Take a look. Uh, to follow up your comment that housing prices can't go up, what do you consider affordable? The average price in Ontario now is put at 856000 for a home. How much does that have to come down to be affordable? I think, uh, obviously, our economy continues to grow. We have uh, uh, really good job numbers across the country. But Canadians, even as the economy is growing, even as salaries are going up, are finding it harder and harder uh, to buy homes, to find affordable renting, rental, uh, rental stock. These are the things that we are addressing right now. Obviously, uh, prices in downtown Toronto or even downtown Hamilton are going to be very different from prices in other parts of the country, but everywhere they're too high. That's why it's essential that everyone works together collaboratively. You need different orders of government, different uh, groups from private sector to public sector and nonprofit to be working together to solve this challenge, and that's exactly what we're doing with the Housing Accelerator. <laughs> okay, well, good luck to y'all trying to solve the problems that you've actually created. Uh, many things that Trudeau has done to destabilize our economy, to destroy, uh, you know, good housing prices, to, he thinks that the economy continues, you know, the, the jobs, you know, people can't afford to eat right now. They're camping out on Highway 1. Okay, something's very wrong. What, just what an absolute joke. How much what? Yeah, yeah, those places are pretty cheap. You just put a tent up, you know? Who knows, maybe it will be worth something in a short while. Someone might pay them for that, but they don't own the, own the land, so they could rent. They could rent a tent. A um, couple more things. Let's look at uh, Teresa Tam here, this share that I have, JT. A uh, new COVID-19 plan set to be unveiled by Ontario Chief Medical Officer this week. I cannot wait. Can, aren't you excited? I'm excited to see what the new COVID-19 plan. You know what? COVID-19, like that is so done and done and done. Um, 2020, let's look at the death rates as opposed to 2022 or 2023. Everybody, um, just kind of look at excess deaths in the last three years. Tell me what you see is interesting about that. So they're going to, uh, um, you know, bring this up. Ontario Chief Medical Officer in Health, Keelan Moore, is set to unveil a COVID-19 fall preparedness plan this week following an uptick in infectious infections in the province. Speaking to reporters Wednesday, Deputy Premier and Minister of Health Sylvia Jones said Moore would release the plan in the coming days and outline specific updates on available and appropriate measures to curb the spread of the virus. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, so here's the beloved Teresa Tam. Now, everyone knows, actually, you know, that's an improvement when she's got that mask on. But uh, but here's the real problem is that nobody should be wearing a mask right now. She should not. She just virtue signaling all of this. She's basically letting you know, hey, this is what we're probably going to be doing to you. Now, we've got a whole lot of people watching on YouTube right now, and I need you to do something because upcoming, we've got Dr. Richard Ammerling and uh, we're going to air a video that, do you think this video is safe or should, do we just go to the other channel? We want to show a video right now, some live blood analysis. 
that's okay. So we're, we're going to need to let YouTube go. So in the description and Facebook, in the description, uh, we have got our feed to Rumble. On Rumble, everyone, please just hit subscribe, sign up. You'll get a notification that we're on live every day. And that is the place that you should get used to going because you can't get the truth in other places. So we're going to release you from YouTube out of respect for the great one, the great one. We're just going to give you, you know, we're going to placate you and make you thrilled and, and let you know that we are abiding by your rules because we don't want to lose our channel again. And um, so we got to go because we want you to get the truth, everybody. We want you to know what is going on. And you are not going to want to miss uh, Dr. Richard Ammerling from the United States. So please uh, get over to Rumble as soon as you can. We're going to have to just cut it off and let you go from YouTube and Facebook. All right. So uh, when you're ready, JT, live blood analysis is being done. And um, then we're going to go to our guest. Uh, so it's, it, this is just real interesting. Take a look. My name is Kelly Bacher. I live in Campbellford, Ontario. I uh, am a live blood analyst. I'm a practitioner that just helps people analyze anomalies in the body. And then we give like say a meal plan or a supplement regime to help them feel better. I had an influx of people that were like, we really need this done because we're being told there's nothing wrong and they just knew there was something wrong. These things that I'm seeing, which I have sent video and still pictures, um, they're illuminated. They, they, they glow green and they self-assemble. And when they are morphed into whatever organism I'm looking at, they look crab like or squid or like something they it looks like tentacles segmented tentacles kind of like a spider but i never saw those things before never and then there's the metallic kind of looking pieces that will eventually degrade but turn into a living thing that i don't even know what it is if i shut my microscope off they go almost dormant and then when I turn it back on and the heat's up and the lights are on, then you'll just, they be, we're dead one minute and then you'll just ever so slightly see them move. And then before you know it, it's all a buzz again. That's not normal. When blood dies, it dies. Well, we've had numerous people on, including, uh, you know, people from the States that have studied the blood after these vaccines have rolled out and all kinds of weird stuff's in there. And, uh, you know, when you can't get, remember this last week we showed you the video of how the insert in the vaccines has nothing on it and it says intentionally and it has this big and they unfolded it in front of the, what was, was it Congress or it was, some? No, because it was Ron Johnson. Oh, Ron Johnson was there, Peter Ryan, McCullough, Ryan Cole, Ryan, Ryan Cole and I think um, Peter or um, Malone. Yeah, Malone. Yeah, Dr. Malone was there. And they're basically taking out something. It's it's completely empty. Like there's there's nothing on the paper that's supposed to be telling you what's in the vaccines. Why why are they not telling us that? So um, somebody sent me a video in which my interview with Dr. Hodkinson uh, is on there, and his uh, relaying the facts that what we're really looking at is about 20 million uh, you know deaths 
worldwide that have potentially been caused by the vaccine. And, and I don't know, I'm not a statistician, but he read out how they've come to that position. And I know Dr. Hodkinson's um, data, he is a stickler. I mean, he doesn't, he, he even tells me, no, I don't think you should have that person. They're just full of bunk, you know, and he'll let me know because <laughs> he doesn't like that. Uh, he likes just facts and he's he sticks to, you know, what he believes is verifiable and what he believes is the truth. And he doesn't go into anything that he can't really stand behind. And uh, he stands behind that these numbers are really excessive. So uh, it's very sad to me. Um, JT and I have, we've, we've had uh, friends, loved ones that have passed that we know is, is very odd, shouldn't have been. So I'd like to introduce to you an incredible man, Dr. Richard Ammerling. Um, he received a BS from the City College of New York and his MD at the Catholic University of Louvain in Brussels, Belgium, graduating with honors in 1981. Dr. Ammerling completed his internship and residency in internal medicine and began a nephrology fellowship at New York Hospital Queens in Flushing, New York. In addition, he completed a nephrology fellowship at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. I really want to know what that nephrology is. Kidney. That's who, a kidney. Okay, you're so smart. Um, president, he is a past president of the Association of the American Physicians and Surgeons, and we welcome him here today. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Ammerling, we appreciate you being with us. Thanks for um, giving us your time from the United States of America. It's my pleasure, Laura Lynn, anytime. Thank you, thank you. A lot is going on. We see that they're beginning to up uh, this um, concern over variants and the mask wearing mandates. We've seen this in the United States as well in our Babylon, British Columbia and Canada here in our province. It's pretty bad, same with Ontario. What do you make of all of this? Well, the PSYOP back in 2020 worked so well that they're just going back to the same playbook and they're going to try to run it again. Uh, it would really be astonishing to me if people buy into it. It was so obviously bogus back then, although clearly there was a new thing uh, on the block, you know, that was uh, causing disease. I'm not saying that that did not happen. In fact, I was at Bellevue in the spring of 2020 volunteering in nephrology and I saw it. I saw the first wave of COVID and how sick those patients were. So that was real, but all the hype around it was not, was, was bogus. Uh, there was also, after it all died down, and by the way, it was really over in New York by June, 2020, it should have all gone away and we should have all gone back to normal, but they continued the PSYOP with counting cases. First, remember there were the death counts every, every night. You would see how many people died. And those deaths were but not necessarily from COVID as we all now know. Then after that went away and it, people stopped dying. Uh, and it, it, it happened quickly, by the way. I saw, it, I saw the ICUs empty out at Bellevue and no one was coming in by the end of May. Well, then they started to count cases and they ramped up the testing and these tests had problems from the beginning, and they also over-amplified them. These are poly polymerase chain reaction tests. And the more times you run the reaction, the more copies of whatever you get 
will show up and you can amplify things indefinitely and you can get junk and amplify it and then it comes up as a positive test and it doesn't mean that someone is sick. And that those tests never really even should have been done on asymptomatic people. They were only valuable if you come in with a respiratory illness and it might help to make a diagnosis. But nevertheless, they produced all these false positives by doing all these millions and millions of tests. And by, and then, then by that, you had a case endemic and they used that to continue the fear porn and keep people locked up, masked and compliant and make them ready to take this, you know, God's, this saving uh, grace of scene that was gonna come out and they, they knew it was gonna come out because they already made it, right? It was made immediately. They had, the, as soon as they had the code for the virus, they, they rammed it into the messenger RNA technology and they had a vaccine in Jan, you know, right after this thing happened, they, they had it, they had a vaccine prepared. So it was just a question of pushing through some paperwork and getting it, uh, you know, fake authorized and getting it into people's arms. So they're going to, they're going to just going to go through, through the whole thing again. Again, no one should comply. No one should wear a mask. No one should isolate themselves. It is absurd. These new variants are mild. Everybody's been exposed. Everybody's got antibodies. Everybody has a, a defense system, unless of course you're multiply vaxxed and boosted, in which case your immune system is impaired. So those people are truly at risk. Everybody else, breathe easy. Right, okay, so I have a couple of questions for you. Um, uh, Cause I wanna get back to the vaccines and, and that it's actually damaged the immune system. But before that, I'm just fascinated with you were right there, eh? So, so you saw, as I think we all did, that there was something um, that was um, that was coming against people, and that you know people did die, and they certainly didn't have any early interventions or anything like that. But you did see that, and then you're saying that kind of as quick as it came, it almost it died off. But but these measures and the the fear porn. Like you're saying, that just continued. So you you actually witnessed all of this. I did. In fact, when they locked down New York City, the virus had already peaked and we were at a stage of herd immunity. And this is known for a fact because the emergency room admissions for respiratory illness peaked a couple of weeks before the lockdown. That means that those you know, patients showed up in the ER, uh, were, were infected, obviously, and then it started to go down. And as soon as you hit that peak and that curve rolls over, they call it the Gumpert's curve. As soon as that rolls over, that means you're at herdy, meaning that there, are, there aren't as many susceptible bodies out there to infect and the spread just stops. So we were already past that by the time they imposed lockdowns. It was all unnecessary. You know, there was this great guy, uh, Newt Witkowski. You can probably find his videos if you look hard because they censored him like crazy, who said very early on, he's an epidemiologist uh, professor at Rockefeller University in New York City. He said, this is a respiratory illness. There's no way to stop it. Keep the kids in school. Don't isolate except if you're sick, right? And stay, stay home if you're sick. It will all be over in six weeks. He was pretty much spot on. <laughs> wow. And I, I guess no one listened. Um, the powers that be, they just, 
hammered us for the next couple of years with insanity in in our Canada. Um, and I think you went through in some places some of the same things, but for months on end, uh, my husband and I weren't allowed to eat in a restaurant. We weren't allowed to go into public places. Uh, everyone in the mall, you know, had masks on or you're basically not allowed in there. And flying, I mean, that was just a nightmare. You can't breathe in those stupid things. And God forbid that that the mask is at the tip of your nose and not up here, you know, well, the, you know, the high level, uh, you know, flight attendants had to give us, you know, quite, quite a problem over that. And that's the fear when the, the problem with saying don't comply is that um, they make society like at certain levels um, comply with them because they, they scare them or force them to impose their stupidity. So then we don't get to, you know, we have to comply if we want to fly. We have to comply if, you know, if we want to eat at a restaurant. And God forbid they bring any of that nonsense back. But I hope that they don't. But they, the government, you know, uses um, the, their political and business means to, you know, and the education, um, higher levels to, to just force, even if it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it's completely anti-scientific. Masks, for example, do not work. It is impossible for them to work. They've never worked. Even surgical masks in the operating room don't stop wound infections. The, surg the surgeons wear their mask mostly out of tradition. And in case they you know, spit a little bit, uh, they don't want to get that into the wound. But they do not block any sort of infection. They are completely useless. They are not without harm, definite harms. They cause um, infections, right? These masks are immediately colonized with bacteria from your mouth and your skin and your hands because you're touching them all the time. These are filthy, frankly, and you're breathing that stuff. It becomes a culture medium because it's moist and warm. So the bacteria grow on your mask and fungi grow on your mask and you breathe it in in a concentrated way. And people got upper airway infections, pneumonia, dental infections, very harmful. <clears throat> they impaired the gas exchange process, right? Carbon dioxide levels go up in the blood and oxygen levels go down. Did they ever even test them in flight at 1,000 feet? What is the partial pressure of oxygen in the cabin? It's actually reduced, right? It's not normal. And did they ever test these masks uh, as safe to use in flight? I'm sure they didn't. And they're not, they're not. I, I remember I got cold in a flight. A guy, a guy was slumped over in his chair, an older guy. And uh, I saw the flight attendants rushing back to do something. And I said, you know, should I, I'm a doctor, can I help you out? And they said, yeah, please have a look at this guy. He was probably 85 or higher or more. He was kind of bluish. I said, well, take off his mask. The guy, the guy couldn't breathe, take off the mask. And of course he perked up. It's just insanity. It it really the, is. The, the AAPS, by the way, the the organization of which I'm a member and actually on the board, we just released a statement condemning mask mandates because masks do not work and they are harmful. So they're just medically contraindicated. It's just a horrible idea, and a mandate is, you know, uh, atrocious public health policy, as are, by the way, most public health policies. 
And um, so where would where would one find this um, this mask policy that that you've just released if somebody wanted that? A, yeah, aapsonline.org. You know, this is a venerable group. We're we're small but hearty, and we're committed to uh, medical freedom and independent medical practice. And we have come out with a bunch of statements against the vaccine altering procedures and drugs. And now the mask, because this is now the new thing, right? They're going to try to push masks back on people. Uh, and people just have to say no. If your kids are being forced to mask up to go to school, take them out of that damn school. This is horrible for the kids, particularly. They can't hear anything. They can't understand what people are saying. They can't read facial expressions. They're wearing these filthy things. They, they are getting sick from them. Do not let your kids wear a mask. Okay, so when we, uh, we've got this uh, Teresa Tam, she is our, you know, chief health uh, officer, and sh she's just a royal nightmare. I'm telling you, she is so sold out. Like, she's had her alliances with the WHO. Uh, when she talks, it's nonsensical. She is clearly paid off. It's, this is an agenda-driven, we are under, you know, this feels like pure evil. She's the one who kept putting in all of this stuff. She's been in a documentary. I remember showing this video several times, eh, like in 2020. She's been in a documentary where she advocated for forced, um, you know, concentration camp uh, retainment, basically, uh, for people who don't who don't comply that that you literally they they showed you know a reenactment of someone being taken forcibly uh to to a place where they would have to um go in quarantine and uh you know she's just a nightmare for us now she's already got her mask on so this is the latest thing in the last couple of days um and and it's just really gaslighting and very upset i've got all kinds of texts emails because my my people you know they go have you seen this this is what they're going to do they're going to lock us down they're they're showing us what they're going to do they're going to bring this on and our our problem is that we're not doctors so we don't understand the variant whole thing i thought that variants would just get less and less and less potent as time went on and it just seems that they're they're saying that you need to get the latest booster, which they don't want to call a booster, by the way. And I, I have another video of that, but I'm not going to take everyone's time. I'll just tell you, you know, well, we don't want to call it a booster. They just want to basically make it the regular flu shot will be this mRNA. I know it's really gone so far beyond anything that any of us could have imagined. But look, these shots haven't even really been tested. They've never been tested against, they've been tested in mice. They're looking only at antibody levels as a response to the shot. That is not a surrogate for immunization, just producing antibodies, and that is well known. Uh, they should never be given. There's no safety data on any of them. Uh, none of the vaccines, frankly, have good safety data when you get, when you get right down to it. And this has come out through ICANN, and Aaron's serious litigation, pulling this information out of these uh, licensing agencies, uh, vaccines simply have gotten a pass from normal scrutiny. And they're also, in the United States, the companies are pr protected against uh, lawsuits if, if patients have a bad outcome. 
So they're a whole category of um, so-called medications that I think we need to start avoiding, frankly. I do not trust them. I don't like the technology that's being used, the mRNA technology in particular, hazardous to your health. You are reprogramming cells to produce a foreign protein. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. I think it's crazy. And no one should take these. Uh, just say no. These, the, as you said, do get mild. And this was something that was obvious from the beginning. It's called Mueller's ratchet, that after that first wave hit, every subsequent wave was less virulent. And that's because the very virulent strains kill the host for it to spread. So they just kind of die off. The virus that is indolent, that produces a mild illness and gets their people out and coughing and spreading the virus around, those are the ones that survive and do well. So all these viral infections do tend to devolve into something very mild, like a common cold. And that's really what's happened. Wow. You know, uh, my husband have, and I have been watching a series. Uh, it's, it's not a long series, but it's the true story of OxyContin and how it went uh, like, you know, viral being given to everybody and how these young girls would go from office to doctor to doctor to doctor, like dressed literally in, you know, shorts and T-shirts, basically, and uh, saying, hey, you got to help people. This takes away all the pain. Uh, what is the name of that series? Pharma? Painkiller. It's called Painkiller. So um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it, it showed the true story of how they, the FDA, um, you know, kind of finally approved this. Uh, there was one guy holding out, right? And then they got him at a hotel. He went to a hotel for a weekend and then he, then he approved it. But he was basically saying there's too much dangerous material uh, you know, in this drug, it's going to harm people. And then they showed the outfall of the harm of, of OxyContin. So um, the pharma they, industry is compromised. Yeah, for sure. Well, they've and the compromised the, the, agency, the agencies. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they probably got him in a hotel room in a compromising position and took pictures of him. That's right. right. That, that was it for him. I don't know. But uh, no, look, <clears throat> I know the whole story about uh, Purdue Pharma and OxyContin. It is a travesty, but it's a, it's a microcosm of how pharma works. They hire these doctors to become what they call key opinion leaders. And one of their main guys was actually a colleague of mine in New York, Russell Portnoy. And he would go around the country using his authority as an academic pain specialist, giving lectures, praising OxyContin as being safe because it was low addiction potential, because it was a Stains, right? That was simply wrong, absolutely a lie, and I'm sure he knew it. And he later did a mea culpa interview in the Wall Street Journal where he confessed that he felt badly for doing all this. And he was one of the key people that triggered a whole wave of uh, opiate addiction. Uh, but that's how pharma operates. They have these horrible products that they do a few trials with, and they can create whatever kind of message they need for their marketing team they can create with their trial their drug trials even if they're randomized controlled trials they can manipulate them extremely well they're extremely good at doing this and then they get a bunch of doctors who work as these key opinion leaders who go around the country lecturing at grounds lecturing at dinner conferences where you're by the way getting steak and wine uh compliments of the company right and 
this is how it happens. And this is their MO. And this is what they've done for years. Wow. And, you know, over over this last three years, we have interviewed doctor after doctor after doctor that will speak to us because not a, not everyone will. Like, uh, you know, the doctors that won't, I've had actual doctors call me privately to say, how can I get one of those uh, vaccine passports that uh, people are getting? <laughs> you know, because a lot of people got vaccine passports, um, they, they pay for them, right? That is like epic. Uh, every, you know, everyone knows that's happening. I can't do it because my face is, I'm gonna go to prison, right? So I can't, me and my husband, we can't like get fake passports and go everywhere we want. Um, and you know, being American, that was helpful that we were able to travel in the States. But the doctors that have come on here are so in shock at the integrity of the medical establishment, including a great doctor from your area, Dr. Um, Zev uh, Zelen Zelenko. Zelenko. And yeah. I just absolutely love Zelenko because he came out early talking about hydroxychloroquine and how many people he'd helped. And I mean, he was just, he was like destroyed in the public uh, because of this, but God rest his soul, uh, he's a hero to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He was ahead of most and he he relied on his clinical judgment, his, his clinical acumen, his scientific, he was able to read the literature as all doctors should be, right? Doctors should be able to read studies and formulate their own opinions. That sadly is going away. Doctors now have turned over their decision-making to so-called experts who form uh, panels protocols. that create protocols and guidelines. And they, uh, they just trust these and they follow them and they've lost the ability to do their own critical thinking. And that's a huge problem in medicine. And it's one of the reasons why medicine has fallen on such hard times. It, it really is, isn't it? Like at the crux of it is that they've, there seems to be an established body that is now determining how we're going to deal with every single thing. And you have a protocol. Um, so you, you <laughs> set aside all of your thought process or scientific, um, you know, questioning right? We no longer can just have critical thinking and we follow the protocols, thereby rendering them just like just a another arm of an establishment that has lost its way. Very dangerous now. That's exactly what happened and that's correct. And it all comes from this concept that is called affectionately evidence-based medicine which is a way of practicing that came out of Canada, by the way, a couple of doctors up there, Gordon Guyatt, uh, David Sackett, put together this schema where they would use a system to prioritize various types of evidence and rank them, and then use that system, to come up with what they would consider best evidence and use that in a conscientious way to guide medical decision-making. Now, I don't think that they ever envisioned that it would become the basis for medical totalitarianism. It has, but that view took over medicine. It became the standard. People started to, you know, bow and pray and scrape to this whole uh, cult of evidence-based medicine. It truly was a cult. There was very little science in it because it it actually negated basic science. It relied on these 
uh, population studies, randomized controlled trials, to uh, come up with uh, ways to approach patients. These trials have lots of problems, especially when they're performed by the pharmaceutical companies. They're trying to push a specific product. And because randomized controlled trials are costly to do, it almost limited the field to pharma to be able to do who had the money to do them. And as I said, you can, with the correct study design, come up with any kind of answer that you that your marketing people want to sell any piece of crap drug. And so many of them are just, I mean, the uh, SSRIs for depression are toxic. They, they increase suicide. I mean, who would ever give a drug to a depressed person that, that would increase the their risk of suicide? I mean, this is like... <laughs> It's like when you watch those commercials on TV, oh, try this, and someone's frolicking and it's beautiful music. And then at the end, may cause da 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 And you know, by the time they're done, it's like, who would take that? You know, and I guess they have right. to put it. You know, they're forced to put that in the advertisement, but many people go to, into a doctor's office and they may never really get informed consent about what the liabilities of a certain drug might be. Right. And uh, informed consent has sort of gone out the window along with mm. medical ethics. And that's a whole other area that we could get into. In fact, my friend Stella Paul just did an article on the death of informed consent. Uh, it's truly shocking. You know, people don't get it because um, very often the doctors are even unaware. They are so uh, mesmerized by the guidelines and the big pharma and the, you know, the sexy uh, pharma, drug rep who comes into their office and tries to pitch them the latest, uh, you know, miracle drug that they they don't know they don't have the information to give the patients i mean the fact that for example lipitor one of the biggest selling cholesterol lowering agents only produces a one percent absolute risk reduction in heart events in uh, you know primary prevention trials doctors don't even know that they, they just look at this relative risk reduction of say 33 or 34 percent they say oh this is a blockbuster and this is how the drugs are sold. And so many drugs use that same bogus model. In fact, the vaccines uh, were produced with fraudulent studies, frankly, in my view. They were authorized based on crappy, crappy studies using a very soft endpoint. You know, endpoint in a study is crucial. If someone, if you have an endpoint that is like, let's say mortality or hospitalization rate, that's considered a hard endpoint. And if a drug can actually reduce mortality and hospitalizations, that's a good thing. These vaccines never show that they could do that. The endpoint was simply a reduction in the severity of symptoms, which is something anyone can fake, right? In, in writing a paper, it's very easy to sort of fudge those numbers. And they also did all sorts of other irregular things in, the, in that study. There were uh, over a thousand in the Pfizer study, over a thousand subjects who had suspected but unconfirmed disease. Well, what happened to those studies? Why didn't they confirm it? I mean, they could do the testing on these people. Why didn't they do it? Well, if you put those patients back in this study, any efficacy uh, goes away. This has been done by various people. They also didn't do what we call intention to treat study, which is when you randomize the two groups, anything that happens is attributed to that, to that randomization. So let's say you randomize to vaccine, any adverse event that occurs from that moment on 
is attributed to the vaccine, whether even whether you got it or not. It could have happened before you actually got it. But what they did is they started the clock two weeks after the second dose because they didn't feel that they were actually immunized until then. Well, what happened to all the adverse events that happened before that point? Well, they got lumped into the unvaccinated group. And this model has been used in many studies around the world so that we, you know, we have this false idea that the unvaccinated are dying. No, it's vaccinated people lumped into the unvaccinated because of the definition that was used in the study. Really awful. Unbelievable. You know what worries me, Dr. Ammerling, is that your group is the last final bastion of good medicine because everyone coming up now is being trained by these crazy people and they they are believing it. And you guys somehow were given the critical thinking skills. You were taught to really look this way and that way to help a patient. All of that's gone, but are you the final frontier? Well, I hate to think that you're right, but I think you may be because, I mean, I've seen medical education my last few years before being terminated, by the way, for not getting the jab. We're at St. George's University uh, teaching medicine to first and second year medicals, and they are being taught evidence-based medicine and guidelines. They are not really being taught critical thinking at all. When I proposed an elective course to compare evidence-based medicine approach to care with a truly scientific approach to care, it did not get approved, <laughs> right? The curriculum committee nixed it. This was not even going to be a regular course. It was an elective, but they didn't want their, their you know, fragile students to get any kind of confusion about you know, how they should approach patients. And of course, the evidence-based medicine approach is horrible in virtually every disease state that it's used in. That That is so scary. And you know, um, here in Canada, in order to be a medical student, you had to get the shots just to be a student. So don't even think about going into this if you're not willing to comply with this tyrannical, unsafe shot. And uh, Dr. William Mackis, whom I believe that you know, uh, yes. he has outlined you know, over, I'm sure it's more now. The last number I heard was over 180 doctors, healthy young doctors that have died in Canada. Nobody mentions it. And then the right. the um, College of Physicians began removing their pictures from where you keep a track of, you know, in honor of so-and-so who's passed. Like they just started, you know, getting rid of the pictures. And, and this is killing doctors. So, so this is killing the finest of the last bastion, um, you know, who maybe had critical thinking and then good doctors like yourself, you refused and you, you lose your job is what you just said. So that must have been quite an experience for you to go through. Oh, yeah, it wasn't fun. I mean, I had some arguments clearly with the administration. Good. And uh, my my point of view was very simple. These shots were unproven, really. They, they had these horrible studies. Anyone could see just looking at the initial studies were flaws in the, in the design of the study. And also there was no long-term safety data. So they were truly experimental. 
And how could you mandate an experimental product, especially in a population where they're at minimal risk from the disease, such as these students? I think it was egregious, and I told them so. And they uh, wouldn't back down. And, you know, I got put on an administrative leave and cut my pay, and eventually they discharged me. Um, and what can I say? I mean, I'm happy I didn't take the shot. One of my colleagues who did, who initially down there was, a, was opposed to them, he relented when they threatened his job and he did get a shot. He had a severe complication. He had a bad stroke. And I'm sure there were many. I know of one student who uh, had a seizure and died. That is almost certainly a vaccine reaction. Oh. Uh, so they, they have blood on their hands. They also, in response to the mandate, the population there, by the way, was very much opposed to getting this jab, very much opposed. And most of the people who worked at that university were locals and they were forced to take it. Um, they lowered their quarantine procedure for vaccinated and they brought in a big wave right at the time that Delta was spreading and they had a big wave of infection. And they went from zero or one death to, due to COVID during the entire pandemic up until that point to over 200. And this is a small island, you know, just 100,000 people. So it was wow. a horrific decision. Yeah, a horrific decision. And I remember writing to them uh, that this was a, a, a schism between Hippocratic medicine and so-called public health. You know, they have the School of Public Health, by the way. The School of Public Health is where the they push the students who couldn't get into medical school. They go to the School of Public Health and they become bureaucrats and socialist public health is fundamentally a socialist concept. There is no such thing as public health. Wow. There's only individual, only individual health. And doctors should only be concerned with taking care of their individual patients, not society, not social issues, not public health issues. No, we take care of our patients. And if our patients are healthy, society's healthy. That's how you deal with public health, one patient at a time. Wow. That's shocking information that you said, like one died during the pandemic, but then with the next variant, what, what is the explanation for then two, 200 deaths? Well, uh, they were unexposed because of the quarantine that they had on the island. So they okay. had no natural No natural defenses, immunity right? from the first wave. They, from the first wave. Uh, the first few that were hospitalized there all got treated, by the way, with hydroxychloroquine. And they all, they all did well. They all walked out of the hospital. So they had a good experience with that, and they should have simply relied on that and had a sane uh, policy order, which was effective, right? Keep that going, and they would have been fine. But, you know, the Delta wave was not totally benign. It was less virulent than the Alpha wave, but it was not really benign. And the vaccinated also became super spreaders. These vaccines, you know, it should have been obvious, and it was obvious to some, uh, may produce antibodies in the blood. Those antibodies in the blood are not going to get into your nose. The infection's occurring. So you need to have local antibodies, which are IgA, 
as opposed to IgG in the blood. And that's how you block infection in the nose. So these shots were never going to be able to prevent infection, never, because the, the focus was wrong. So people had super spread, became super spreaders with Delta, and the thing just ran through the island. And they went from you know a handful of cases to over 2,000, and only about 200 died. Their health system there is not great, right? So if you got really sick there, you were, you were not going to do well. Oh, absolutely horrible what's happened. And, you know, uh, Dr. Zelenko, I remember a very ominous video he did uh, before his passing. I think he was already sick, but um, he, he basically said he's lost total faith in the medical establishment. And my question to you is, aren't these doctors that are overseeing, you know, that forced you to try to get a, um, wanted to force you to get this shot, are they not privy to the same um, common sense, critical thinking that you are? And they've just ignored it. Is there a reason that some of the people that have positions of power might make a different decision than you did not getting the shot? Yeah, well, as I said, many have given up their critical thinking. That, that is clear. Yeah. They, they just do they get money? Do you think they get paid off? Is there <laughs> funds coming in that support them losing well, critical thinking for a, a season? Well, let, look at the FDA. The FDA is a regulatory, it's a captured agency and has been for some time. Uh, in 1992, Congress passed a law called the PDUFA law, the Pharma Pharmaceutical Drug User Fee Act, where it established a, a method where pharmaceutical companies who want a drug reviewed pay for the review. So a big part of the budget of the FDA comes from industry since 1992. So their decisions are suspect. There's conflict of interest everywhere. Are individual people paid off? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Uh, that that is the game. It's conflict of interest. Money talks. Uh, pharma is hugely, hugely powerful. They have so much money. You mentioned the TV ads. The TV ads are not to convince people to come and take their drugs, because I've never experienced that in my entire career. That a patient came to me and said, "I saw this drug advertised on TV. Will you please prescribe it?" Never once. The, the ads are so that they can control the media, so they, they can pay off these communities and control the content of their shows. Oh. This is why you never, you, you never see vaccines being criticized on any show in any network other than the Tucker Carlson's show, and you will note he's going on the air. Right. I see what you're saying. They're giving advertising dollars for, so that's why they don't care that they tell you, you know, you might start, you know, having abnormal reactions and, you know, your hair might all fall out, but hey, you might not, you know, you might not feel depressed anymore, but you might be suicidal. So they, they do these ads that makes no sense at all. We literally laugh out loud and we wait right. for it. We're like, wait for it, wait for right. it. What's wrong? And we listen to it and then we laugh. Me and my husband, we just enjoy that. And we're like, we would never take this stuff. And now that makes perfect sense what you're saying. They're doing this to us. Everyone needs to understand, like, it's the money. It's you follow the money trail. It's money. And so, 
So it's then funny. the media, they're not going to criticize. I heard that that guy on CNN, uh, he looks like a Nephilim. What's his name? Um, Anderson Cooper. Yeah, Anderson Cooper got millions of dollars to promote behind the scenes to promote the vaccines because he's a well-known figure, you know, popular CNN host, as popular as that is since they're they're tanking. But, um, you know, that makes sense. They, they're just doing these advertisements to make sure that money gets to the networks and that's all that matters. Then don't criticize our vaccine. Yeah, here's a funny story. You know, uh, I'm a tennis fan. Novak Djokovic just won the U.S. Open. He was barred from competing in the U.S. Open last year because he was unvaxxed and he, they, he, they wouldn't let him in. Well, you know who sponsored the cover, TV coverage of uh, the U.S. Open? Moderna. <laughs> <laughs> and and no one mentioned, wow. no one mentioned in any of the commentaries why Novak was kept out of the US Open and the fact that he was unvaxxed. No one mentioned it. And I'm sure that Moderna put their thumb on the scale with that one. I mean, clearly. Okay, my husband behind the scenes, he's loving this story because he said, yeah. And and when they'd show the, the shot of the day, it was the Moderna shot of the day, you know, by the unvaccinated right. dude. So that right. is, exactly. the exactly. world is crazy, right? I mean, we it just, is. We can't make this stuff up is pretty much how it is. Dr. Ammerling, I've really appreciated your time. Um, can, can I just give you the final word? Anything that you think it's important for us to know as we head into this season? A lot of people extremely alarmed by our world. I mean, they feel post-traumatic yeah. stress. And how, do, how should we move forward? Well, we have to understand that for some time, our governments and the, the agencies of the government, like this bureaucrat you have up there, but wearing the, wearing the stupid mask and people like Fauci who are unelected uh, bureaucrats, are, they have entirely too much power. They are agenda driven. They are not driven by concern for our safety or our welfare. They have their own personal agendas and their own paid agendas and their government agendas, which are not pro people. You have to do your own critical thinking. You have to understand that most of the recommendations, if not all, that come out of the so-called public health industry and the government are the opposite of what you should be doing. Everything that they called during COVID was wrong. Masking, uh, lockdowns, the social distancing crap, all completely unfounded. And then the, the ban on effective drugs like, like hydroxychloroquine, uh, the ban on ivermectin, which was effective, the pushing of these untested genetic-based, mRNA-based uh, shots that we they knew immediately were not working. It was clear that they weren't working from the initial studies, but they pushed them through anyway. And it was also clear that they were toxic. So this is intentional. They were pushing out a harmful product and they're still pushing them out. So you cannot believe anything coming out of the government. And in terms of your health, my advice is do the opposite of what they recommend. <laughs> it's like a Seinfeld episode. Do the opposite. Yeah, that's amazing. That is so good. Dr. Ammerling, we'd love to have you on again. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for blessing us with your wisdom. Please stand strong as the final bastion, the last group that 
is standing for us and that concerns me gravely. I appreciate that you've done it and you are continuing to do that. Bless you and we'll see you again. Thank you, Laurel, and God bless you too. Thank you. Fantastic. You know, I never um, thought that through until this interview. All of the amazing doctors we've had on, all of the people who've stood with character, conviction, against the grain, losing their jobs. How costly was that? And um, all these young people coming up, they had to get the vax to get in. They probably have to keep getting these boosters that we're not going to call boosters anymore. I have family in, in medical school. So these amazing heroes, the, the folks who've had to pay the highest price at this time in history, Zev Zelenko, Dr. Amerling, Dr. Trozzi, Dr. William Mackis, Dr. Paul Alexander, Patrick Phillips, all the doctors in Canada that have just literally had to fight tooth and nail they're like the, the warriors and perhaps the last warriors unvaccinated because you, in Canada, you cannot be a doctor without that. Like, so stand strong, everyone. Do not comply. Uh, let's, if, if we got to have a march or two, I guess maybe we should do that again. Don't do what they're asking. Figure out a way. Talk to your folks. Um, move out of the city. Go to rural areas. They are less likely to be so insane. Get out of these big cities that you see behind me. They just, you know, all these things on the C40, you know, the 15-minute the cities that they're building across the world. I was listening to a show this morning. And um, they... They want to control what you eat, and they're going to limit the grams of meat per year that you can eat. That's their ultimate goal. And they would prefer it was zero. They don't like meat. You know that delicious steak that makes you feel good because the protein gets it. Like, I, I actually really need protein. M my body reacts if I haven't, you know, gone several hours. I haven't had protein. Ask my husband. I get grumpy and everything, right? And he's like, in there, he's barbecuing the chicken to make sure I can get some, you know. He's real good to me. Um, so I need protein, but they don't like meat. They want you to maybe have this meat that's off of, you know, Bill Gates out of one of his labs. Lab meat. Make him rich. They're buying up all of our property. Remember we showed RFK yesterday talking about how BlackRock intends to own most properties. Was that by 2030, I think, JT? And they, they come in and they scoop up a property with a, you know, some sort of, what do you call it, an LC something number, you know, and, and they buy your property and you have to trace it back to find out it's BlackRock buying all the land. Bill Gates owning tons of, of farm, farm property. 
and all the fires that don't seem to hit any of their properties. Isn't that interesting? So all of this, we're in it together, everybody. Some of the things I'm doing to keep really sane, as I see Dr. Teresa Tam ramping up her stupid nonsense once again. I mean, truly, she's just, it, it's not, she's not stupid. She's evil. She's evil. She's evil. They want to force these vaccines. They want to propagandize, put it out in the mainstream media. You need to get your next shot. We're not calling it a booster anymore. It's just, you know, it's your regular flu shot. Uh, not, no one's talking about excess deaths across the world. It's pure evil. And that's why we keep talking about it in hopes that you'll forward this video to someone you care about and just say, just listen to what's happening. The truth. You don't, you don't get that on CBC, CTV or global. So some of the things I'm doing is I'm having my quiet time with God. Um, I've taken up playing uh, the piano, right? My husband loves it. He thinks I'm really good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, there was one of these guys on YouTube and he's a concert pianist and he, you know, and he's like, you can do this too with just three chords, three chords, you know, and, and he sings any song and I'm totally sucked in by all of that. And I'm like, I want to be that person. I want to do my own music, you know? And, uh, so I took, uh, a lot of piano lessons when I was young. Turns out I'm not that talented. I can't play a lick today. Like my, my mom, my dad, they paid like a fair penny, you know, back in the seventies, uh, to pay, to pay for my piano lessons. And I did even conservatory and all that. But so for this year for my birthday, I said to JT, I just have this desire. So I just sit on it, you know? And so now I'm following all the lessons. Right. And one of the things they say is just sit there like with two fingers. He does this on his live thing, two fingers, just like press any two keys, you know, one apart. And then, and then just like roll it like, you know, and I mean, I'm making just beautiful noise unto the Lord. And, uh, I love it. I really love it. And I'm just, you know, it's just something different than what I'm doing right now. What is it that could be different for you? Something different you might try. This little keyboard we got was $199. All right. That was my birthday gift this year. And, um, I'm going to take very good care of it. I'm going to have it for a long time, you know, let the grandkids play on it and everything too. But I'm going to be very, uh, diligent in kind of trying to see if I can get to the lesson on the three chords because I really want that. And uh, they're going to teach us scales, but it's something about the fun way that they do it that's different than when we learned it when we were young. So my husband's always like, are you going to play today? You know, and he seems excited, way more excited than me. And that's so nice. When I can see that look in his eye, like he's like, then I put the headphones on and it's totally silent. And I can just play by myself. <laughs> So, anywho, I think we have to, I think we need to take time with loved ones. Go on a vacation, everyone. I've been saying this for three years. It, they are making flying hard. Roll with it. Don't let them stop you from doing what God wants is, is to inhabit and, and fulfill and, and have dominion over this earth. Have dominion. Have dominion. Go where God has, has you know, created beautiful scenery. And, oh, there's nothing more incredible. You know, you want to get to Mexico? Sometimes they've got a, 
a really good fair price on. Do it. Do it now. Go. Does God want you to sell, sell your home? Because there's some impending trouble coming? Be brave. Be brave and courageous. Do the hard thing if you feel God is telling you. And I cannot tell you what God is telling you. I don't have any clue. I'm throwing out some things. I'm so, throwing out some things that have helped us. But I don't know what God's telling you. I don't know what he wants you to do. But I will tell you, my greatest successes in life have only come by one thing. One thing. Obedience. When I obeyed, God came through. When JT and I decided we would do what we felt God was telling us to do in spite of the hardship, everything worked out good. When we didn't, when we were cowards, when we put it off, uh, we operated out of fear rather than faith, it didn't go well. That's the story of my life. Uh, the story of my life is not being um, super talented and, um, you know, um, being educated and, and getting to the places and, you know, being so disciplined that I get there. That, that is not the story of my life. The story of my life is God spoke, I obeyed. God led me to where he wanted me to be. And that is the best thing I've ever done. In the times when I failed and I did not walk in God's ways, disaster ensued. And I wrote about it in my book, Relentless Redemption. It's on Amazon by Laurel and Tyler Thompson. And that led to such pain, shame, and brokenness that I didn't think I would ever recover. But one thing about God is his mercy is new every morning. His grace is so incredible that he gets us through everything. He aligns us again with his purposes. And he's gotten me through everything. And it was after tremendous failure, after tremendous brokenness, without um, any education or experience in television. It was after all of the mess that my obedience led to being on national television. My obedience. Because God called me one night in 1999. And I, I felt not the audible voice of God, but just a voice telling me, that God was calling me to be on television to tell people about Jesus. That was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. And I was in a bad relationship that eventually ended in a bad way. And it didn't seem logical. But I heard the voice of God. He spoke to me in my spirit. And I knew it was him because I was shaking. And I was crying and something was different. This was not usual. It was the burning bush of my life. Something's not usual here. And I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. I want you to do that. And, and I obeyed. How did I obey? I took one tiny step. That led to national television. One tiny step after another. And let me tell you, some of them were horrible. I was, a, I was a terrible mess. The first times that I was actually in front of a camera, I was so bad. A producer told me that I needed to go home, read to my children out loud 
so that I could learn how to enunciate words. I thought I would never recover. I was so humiliated. I was so embarrassed. And God helped me. He gave me more ideas. All of that's in my book. I don't have time. So I've gone on too long. Um, God just helps us when we're obedient. Right now, some things are coming down in our world, some difficulties, and I think we need to be hearing him. Are you hearing him? Are you having quiet time enough to just sit there with him in your chair? Maybe it's on your deck. Do you have a little deck? Do you have an outside of your porch area? Nothing fancy. Just go, you know, can you, can you sit on some grass or can you stare at some trees or can you go for a drive? And can you just have some quiet time and say, Lord, what are you saying at this hour? What are you asking me and my family to do? What's the plan? Are we in the right geographical location? Are we in the right career? Are we making the right decisions? Have we already sort of failed? Can we make that right before you by doing what is right now? Ask him. My website is laurelin.tv. Thank you very much for joining us. If you're able to contribute, that would be wonderful. Nobody big supports us. We just get up and we think, hey, what does everybody really need to know? How do we need to encourage everyone in Canada and the world? And we thank you. Some of you have, uh, was it Australia that was on? People from Australia today, JT? Ireland. Ireland. Um, people from Ireland tuning in. What can we say? Thank you. Also for your, uh, you gave us some um some suggestions for a great guest that we can have on. Thank you. How can we unite our world so that we can be together, moving in unison to, to actually survive all of this? How can we do that? That's what we think about every morning before we come here to do a show. If you're able to help me to do that, I appreciate it. I'm flying off to Ottawa. Um, we've had extra expenses all over the map lately. Um, we have a big event going on that I've had to put money out for in advance to bring in Dr. Lance Wall now and to gather all the doctors uh, that are speaking the truth to Whitby, Ontario, to tell the truth so that lives will be saved. We're doing that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're asking for any help that you can give us uh, to be able to make things, things possible. We put out funds in, ad in advance and we kind of go, all right, it's a faith walk. So, if you can come to October 28th, 2023 in Whitby, Ontario, please do and get your tickets and uh, it's going to be phenomenal. The era of champions. These are the people on the screen who've told the truth in the middle of the deception. These are the people I would go to war with. These are the people I would sit with and call my friends that I would stand with and I believe them and I think they have a message for you. If you can come, please do sign up as soon as you can. Um, you can hit that. Uh, you can get there by going to events on my website, laurelin.tv. If you can send an e-transfer, laurelinlive at protonmail.com. Wonderful. If you can send us a snail mail to box 48184, New Westminster. Fantastic. V3M0A7. If you can do that, fantastic. If you can't do that because funds are tight, just keep watching because we love you. We love that you show up every single day. And uh, we appreciate that we get to spend time together learning that you can influence people because of what you hear, that you can get courage because you're inspired 
to be more courageous. Do it. Speak it. There is no place. I, I wouldn't want anything that I've ever lost in the past. I never want that. I would never want any of it back. I am so deliriously happy sitting here doing what God's called me to do today with only the Lord and my husband telling me anything. No controls in my life other than godly controls. That's how I get to be here telling the truth. And it's a, a great expense to us, but it's worth it. And you helped to, us to do it. Thank you so much for all of that. And don't forget Silver and Gold. If you would like to get your money out of the bank and get it into some place that, uh, into an investment, Silver and Gold's very safe investment. And everyone's saying it. We just put it out there because we believe in it. We're doing it. So Sovereignize, Sovereignize at ProtonMail.com. Steve Merrill, that's who we've uh, chosen to trust. Deuteronomy 7 says this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives you out before many nations. It actually says drives out before you many nations. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Budlites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Seven nations, yea, even eight, says the Lord. Uh, larger and stronger than you. Isn't that interesting? God didn't always uh, give his people the dominant strength. You're smaller. Sometimes there's less of us. Wide is the pathway to destruction. Narrow is the way to heaven. It's less people. Right now, less people going to heaven than going to hell. It's going to be a fact. Because it's easier, actually, to live a life that will lead you to destruction. It's harder to go the, the rough path. But it says this, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Isn't that interesting that God was such a... He was black and white, eh? So yesterday, oh, we taped the show, didn't we? With, with the amazing Robert Anthony, who is going to, uh, we're going to air it, I think, early next week. And he talks about how the DNA has been challenged since the dawn of time. Like the enemy has been after the DNA. How when the sons of God mated with the daughters of man, how there was a corruption of the seed. The, the devil has been after our seed since we were created. And this whole thing about AI and Yuval Noah Harari saying that we're hackable animals and that this is a new thing and we will be like gods. We will be elevated to be like gods. We will be so smart if we can combine the human brain with artificial intelligence after all. All of that was actually going on in the Old Testament. Um, it's a fascinating show. You'll want to see that. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. 
break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles. You know, the Asherah poles, um, I, I believe that is the, that is very similar to the, the flags that are being waved in our nation. The gods that have been promoted, the idols that have been set up in our land, whether that's our phones. I'm a little concerned about the idol that I walk around every day with that's listening to me anyways, doing me no good, but you know, oh, here's another ping. What's so-and-so saying? You know, that, that's sort of where we are. Oh, let me just read this here. Um, just kidding. <gasps> our televisions, all of the things we spend our extracurricular time, God says smash them. Is it metaphorically speaking? I think possibly. Put God on the throne of your heart. Be studious, be fervent, be passionate, and be courageous in bringing down the evil that is in our land and standing for what is righteous. Amen. God bless. See you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.